And the only person that won more rounds than me that year was my then girlfriend. <laughs> I'm Brian Anderson. And I'm Bobby Fazio. And welcome back to another episode of Class Racing Today. We have a jam-packed episode today. Lots of good stuff going on. I have to say, we have the deadliest, scariest, meanest front-wheel drive stock driver in the country right now. Mr. Shark Bait himself, Mr. Gary Hampton, with his 1986 Cavalier in D front wheel drive stock um before we have a nice little chat with gary we want to blow through some results this weekend we had a lot going on we had a national event in ennis texas we had a national open in indianapolis we had a divisional division two race in rockingham north carolina as well as a national open right after that divisional concluded so just a couple results for you um in NS Texas at the national event we had in stock eliminator Lowell Gerber in a double A stock automatic Camaro trip zip in the final trip zip dead on with a three over Dale Holquist Lowell Gerber takes his first national event win in super stock we had 16 year old Hayden Trumbull I think this was his first national event I know it was his first national event win double O three over Anthony Bertozzi one of the biggest killers of them all Anthony Bertozzi was 001 in the final. Hayden Trumbull's 003 takes the win. Congrats, my man, 16 years old. Um, at the Indy National Open. Yeah, let's, get that. let's get that in there. Um, let's see. Oh, let's jump over to D2, Rockingham. Stock eliminator Cody Phillips took the win over Chip Johnson and Superstock. Joe Lisa, uh, Division One hitter, took the win over Corey Taylor. So way to go there, fellas. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Oh, Indy, National Open. Ray Paquette, 1964, Ford Thunderbolt. Superstock A stick shift. Sets the record, 842 at 159 miles an hour. That's some killer some killer power right there. I believe that's Charlie Westcott power. But way to go, Mr. Paquette. The air, All must, right. the air must have been phenomenal there. I think it was. Um, I, I saw Caleb McFarland, I heard, went with his A-stick Firebird. Where was that? I had it here. He went 967 in A-stick at the National Open in Indy. Like, damn. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I don't know. Without further ado, I, I really want to talk to Mr. Gary Hampton here. I mean, I can't. <laughs> I can't, I can't sit still hey, here. Hey, like, no, just settle down. I know you're all jacked up. You've been I, chomping at the bit for two weeks. Where's Gary? We need Gary. We need Gary. Come on, get him in, get him in, get him in. We got to just hold on now, okay? We can't just go right to the cake. We got to, like, banter a little, you know? Like, are we not going to talk about some of the events? Like, did you see the package from the final in uh, Dallas? Did you look at the results there? Oh, yeah. Did you hear me? 003? Yeah. Did you see or the round trip, before trip that? Trip zip dead three for Lowell Gerber? Yeah. And the round before that, I think, was almost as solid. Like, just nasty rounds they were running there. It was crazy. The uh, 
I was also. Did you? Uh, uh, there was a the Gainesville national event, the, the the event that just won't ever end. And it was this three times they like had to settle the score for this event between like canceling it, running some of the finals over here, running some of the finals over there. Robbie Drawn won Superstock. That was contested somewhere recently. Um, and he's got a stick car also. What does he have a stick shift uh, like Corvette or something? Modified car? Correct me if I'm wrong. Somebody somewhere out there on Facebook Live? I wanted to talk to... There was an awesome heads up uh, on stock in Texas. Larry Hill against Steve Juan. I want to make sure I got it right here. That was third round. Did you watch that? I saw the numbers, and it was pretty crazy. <laughs> so Larry, Larry Hill had a heads-up first round, right? Then you had to yep. put it back in bracket mode second round, and then you had a heads-up third round. So Larry Hill, Steve Wan, uh, third round, heads-up. That's one I don't want to be against either of those guys at any race, because when I'm in A, I think I might have to move. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, Steve went 9.96, and Larry went 9.98. But Steve missed the tree a little bit, and Larry was 082. So just goes to show it's in the tree. And I think uh, Steve Juan is probably still a little messed up from shark bait. Maybe that. Are you still in his head? <laughs> no, I don't know. Yeah, the other crazy, you know, the fact that it sounds like there was, I wasn't there, but I'm starting to see a little stuff on, uh, maybe there was an issue with the lane. Uh, car was disqualified for hitting the brakes hard. Sounds like there was a little scuttle there that it wasn't really on the brakes that hard. There was, maybe the track was a little loose, and I've seen a couple of people comment too that they've noticed some of the same things. Um, so that's a little scary. I did see that. That was third round of stock, Tim Snively. Uh, disqualified for excessive bracing, uh, breaking, my bad, versus uh, Danny Rucker. Now, this race was – I did see this one on video. This race was a little nuts, okay? Snively had the tree by a mile. Uh, Danny Rucker was really late. I don't know what happened. Maybe he got distracted up there, but something happened where Danny Rucker was way late, and Snively had him covered for the whole, the whole race and hits the brakes pretty hard at the finish line right before the finish line, like very late, and hits the wall. And sparks flew, and literally and figuratively, and he was disqualified. Now, very key, that was for a fourth-round bye, so that's really got to hurt. So Danny Rucker is reinstated, gets a fourth-round bye, he's going into fifth-round semifinal, or quarterfinal. Because I think that was a seven-round race, right? I believe so. So... That's oof. That hurts. Not only you get disqualified, your car's got needs body repairs, and it was for a buy. Yeah, I've into seen some into some potential money to help fix with fix the car. And it does seem like a couple other people noticed that the cars were maybe in the shutdown area acting a little, a little goofy there. So I don't know if it's just a uh, getting dark or weather, or something. I guess I wasn't there, so I don't know how that all worked, but. No, it was a six-round six race, so that was that was for a buy into the semifinal. Yeah, not good. Hopefully everybody was good, walked out away. It's 
metal can be replaced, but you know that's never never a good scenario when something like that happens. No. Um so yeah. Just just another week. I always wonder like what are we gonna talk about? It seems like there's always some little freak weird deal like that. I guess that's what what keeps us watching, right? Danny Rucker was three sixty seven on the tree that round. So I'm not sure what happened. He was one seventy nine the round before that. And then he was pretty good the rest of the day. O twenty eight, O twenty one in the semifinal. O twenty eight first round. Yeah, I found where I was looking at and they said actually uh uh, the car that ran in front of Tim, Jimmy Hidalgo, was actually a little bit loose on the same lane on this after his run, exact same part of the track. Um, I believe Larry Hill said possibly too. He noticed it was a little different. So that's a shame. You can't afford any more drama at that racetrack. <laughs> yeah, I I bet they had the wind lights working. Yeah. They're cool wind lights. They look like they're scary. They look like cop car, like flashing blue and red. <laughs> well, I suppose they had three thousand dollars to help fix them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, we should drop that. <laughs> oh, fun. So Gary, what's up with you next week? Oh, Vegas baby. Vegas baby, starting Wednesday. Um, I hightail it out there to that track, get ready for the divisional on Thursday and uh, the race on Friday, and then uh, Sports Nationals the rest of the week. So, Gary, the way the way things were going for you last week, I think you should get to Vegas a day early and go go gamble on the strip because you might <laughs> your fortunes, your good fortunes are up right now. People think I'm crazy because I just go there to uh, race. And it's like, I'll hang out with my racing buds from other states, and that's pretty much it. So, do you think, I'm, I'm, do you think anybody else is going to show up in stock if they know you're coming now? Oh, yeah, they'll show up, especially everybody that wants a rematch with me. So, <laughs> you need to, you need to, like, a nice feeling. you need to get a stereo set up and just crank Baby Shark. When you're rolling into that place, like that's your walking music. <laughs> that's funny, um, but I, actually, I, I know Jody Lang's gonna be there, and quite honestly, uh, I was looking forward to racing him. Uh, I'm glad it turned out how it did, but I thought I was gonna lose. But uh, uh, I raced him in the third round of the 2006 Mile High Nationals, and uh, that race had a oh yeah no 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 it wasn't 96 it was 98 um i raced him in the third round he got out on me well he caught up with me and he uh backed off his car and in the first round that was an interesting story because somebody north of the border raced me in a 69 camaro and uh he clicked his motor and thought he could coast to the finish line and beat me. The only problem with that was I didn't lift. And there was a big Winston Vision sign at the time that showed me gaining on him. And I nipped him at the stripe by, get this, three thousandths of a second. Woof. How you like that? <laughs> and uh, and so when Jody raced me, he didn't turn his motor off, but he did go into coast mode. <laughs> 
and he saw me gaining on him. I got up to his, uh, like his rear tire. He put a little juice in it to make sure that he kept his front end in front of me, and that's how he got the win. So I was like, well, at least he respected me more than that other guy did, but uh, I was still looking forward to racing him because at that time I didn't have a car that could run the index. But this time I did, so... And I got him on a tree by about seven thou. Let me see. Look at my ET slip. Uh, where are you? Oh, I, I put the round wings further down. There we go. He had a. Uh oh, I thought I had the right you one. You guys were you were both good on the tree, and he wasn't. He, you had a killer light, and he was no slouch. So. I had a. Uh, Where's the uh oh? Where I had them all together, nice and good, and you would, right, that always happens. <laughs> you would be happy to know that uh, right now in Division Five, there's actually. Let me look at here, just to make sure I say it right. I believe second place in the standings right now, out by. Three points is Brett Kopecka with the front wheel. Movement. Oh, yeah. He's second. I, I like that guy. Yeah, he, we race on them quite a bit. And, man, he's he's always putting fast cars on the on the trailer. It's pretty funny. He's Yeah, he's three points out of the lead right now in D5. I told I told him that uh, I was hoping to do, uh, do at least half as well as he did. And then here I end up doing this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, see, Bobby, there is hope for your Mustang after there's all. Hope. Slow cars there, can win. They can. <laughs> uh, every 20 years, what, right? What, 25? 1996 was the last time a front-wheel drive car won uh, a and national was, event, right? Well, or 86 any. was the national, 96 was the divisional, and that was Bill O'Connor. All right, there we have it. 86-96. What happened in 06? Nobody won one? We're supposed to win one every 10 years here with one of these cars. Yeah, well, I got close in the, uh, I made it to the quarterfinals of the uh, 06 Mount High Nationals and um, and that was a story in and of itself. Uh, I had Ryan McClanahan in the quarterfinals had the perfect cool down, but I wasn't handling the heat well. That's another reason I'm glad I live here in Phoenix. Because uh, I was starting to get lightheaded and woozy, and I go back to my pit area. And uh, uh, as soon as I go there, one of the motor scooter NHRA guys comes up and says, Stock to the lanes. I was like, Oh crap, I got to go up to the lanes now. And, and so I drove past the cool down island that Vandermeer Speedway had. And uh, I was like, Should I stop or should I go? They might be up there waiting for me. I get up there to the lanes nobody was there i was like oh man um should i turn around and go back or should i go down the hill i went on down the hill but i was like i need to get some ice for my intake plenum uh because my car's multi-port fuel injected and um uh didn't find any i should have went and asked some uh, one of the fans in the stands uh uh i'll give you 20 bucks for your cup of ice (laughs) <laughs> and just chug your soda and I'll give you 20 bucks for the ice because uh, that was the thing that that was the only thing that hurt me in that race is um, 
I, I got Ryan off the line by about three hundredths of a second, and but my car ran thirteen hundredths slower than the index, which was a sixteen sixty six. So, and uh, to pour salt on the wounds, he crossed the finish line just fourteen thousandths over his dial in. So I could have broke him out if I would have had maybe just six hundredths of a second more momentum um down a track so this race last weekend it gave me great pleasure to beat a ryan it just wasn't mcclanahan so i i beat a ryan m but it wasn't the ryan m that i wanted a rematch with so. <laughs> when uh what got you into racing or when did you start uh i started in 75 and actually the late Bill Grumpy Jenkins, I'll give him the credit for it. When my oldest sister passed away I, in uh, 72, um, I ended up going to a grocery store and seeing a car craft magazine that had Bill Jenkins' Vega on the cover of it. And I was like, I got to get this. That looks cool. And I go into the magazine and I see this Vega and it's like, okay. I like Vegas. So uh, um, that had me wanting to get into racing. And uh, um, I remember one time going to uh, a race in Castle Rock. Um, but we had to go to church first that day. So by the time we got to the race, they were running the final round. And I was like, oh, man. Um, but here I was only a snot-nosed 13-year-old kid at the time, or 14, something like that. It was like, I got to do this. So 75, you'll like this. I, I was going for uh, my first car. Denver got a little bit of snow on the 23rd of May. My birthday is the 24th. I could have had a V8. I saw all kinds of V8 Chevelles and Novas and whatever in the in the uh, newspaper. Since uh, the little bit of snow got on the ground, my dad didn't want to go look for a car with me until the week after. We go there and what do I end up getting? A 64 Chevelle with an inline six and a three speed. Are you kidding me? I could have had a V8. That's the <laughs> The plug for the new commercial. I could have had a V8. <laughs> so then I take that car out in 76 to the bracket, uh, the high school, um, high school drags, the Memorial Day drags, and I made it to the final round and I broke out with the car. Um, and so I was going to give up racing, but uh, then I go into this mechanic school. And they asked us what we did for the summer. And I, uh, I, uh, they asked me, uh, what did I do? And I said, well, I made the finals of a uh, bracket four at the high school drags. And they said, uh, what were you driving then? And I said, uh, 64 Chevelle. And they said, what are you driving now? And I said, a 76 Vega. And they went, a Vega. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, okay. You guys show up at the high school drags next year with your Ma and Pa bought cars, and I'll be out with my Vega. We'll see who does what. I ended up winning not only bracket four, but king of the hill. Nice. So nice. my name was, and it was a, get this, 
22.9 second car. <laughs> okay. Four cylinder automatic. Um, I, uh, I was like, yeah, okay. Now what do you guys got to say? I'm in drag news magazine. I'm in national dragster. I had a clip of me in, uh, uh, the Rocky Mountain New or the Denver Post, and uh, I had a picture of me and uh, John Vandermeer Jr. in the winner's circle of the Drag News magazine. So, and uh, my trophy is, uh, or the picture of it and the bracket four trophy are in my high school, Denver South High, uh, in their trophy case. So that's what got me into it. Had you had anybody in your family raced before that, or did you grow up going to the track at all, or was it just, hey, I want to go to the drag race? I'm Gen One. Nice. Nice, yeah. I can I can relate with you. Maybe I got hope. Hey, I started yeah. a little later than you, but maybe there's still a chance. Generation One started when I was 17. So do you think? Uh, so what? Everybody says, oh, fat, slow cars can't win. Slow cars can't win. You're literally the walking testament. Like, you just you just not know any different? Or, you know, how do you win with a 22-second car compared to the fast ones? What's uh, The trick to that was I went out to the drag races, and I started bracket racing with the weekend warriors. And as soon as I got uh, one round win, I thought, okay, I have something for these high school guys. So I go out there and while I'm winning rounds left and right, Vandermeer or uh, the announcer, God, I can't remember his name now. Um, he uh, got out there and they were saying that you guys were more than welcome to come out and practice and run the weekend bracket races so that you could hone up your driving skills. Those guys were leaving like green lights in a in a city or something, and <laughs> I was out there hitting uh, .1 lights or maybe even .7, .8. It didn't matter. My lights were way better than theirs, so they couldn't catch me. And uh, that was the secret of my success was the practice, and uh, everybody's always talking about seat time, so there you go with that. And, it's just like this race. Um, two weeks prior to this, I was at a an Arizona Stock Super Stock Association race, thanks to Mark and Brad Hawk. Hopefully, they're watching this. But um, I was able to get out there and uh, race John Calvert with his eight-second Mustang. And I was like, okay, we both raced. We both had a fairly decent lights, pretty decent lights, and uh, he won that race because I broke out 13 thousandths more than he did, but uh, I was like, hmm, I'm getting a little better at judging these guys at the finish line. I just wish I would have uh, feathered my gas once or twice, and I might have changed the outcome of that race, so that's when I went to the race on Friday, and uh, started uh winning some rounds there and i was like hmm, i think i found me a nice little sweet spot for my torque converter and thanks to those mickey thompson slicks that i have on a car and um I, I i went and told mike at mickey thompson it's the tires man he was yelling at me yay congrats and all of that and i'm like i yelled back at him it's your tires so uh 
22 by 8 by 15 inch slicks and if I'd have known I was going to be able to do something like this, I would have bought them things years ago. Are those, are those tires like half the price of the adult size tires? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> so, so basically to quantify, you're saying dead on the tree, seat time, seat time, seat time. Rip the tree down, seat time. Know your car. Yep. Absolutely. But, but slow cars yeah. can't win. Uh, Bobby, tell, Bobby tells me all the time, yeah. oh, fast cars, fast cars, you can't win. Slow cars can't win, you know, that's what they say at the track. You just proved everyone wrong. And I'm, I'm grateful for that because it's, it's one thing about me. I, I have always been for the oddball combination. Um, like the guy in the Northwest is racing a pacer. I go and say kudos to you for racing that. Um, uh, Derek Elam with his Pinto station wagon. I go out and give him props because he was slaying some dragons about one or two years ago out here in uh, Division 7 and Division 6. And, uh, and of course, Brent Kopeka, it's like, oh yeah, I wanted to be like him and uh, he's going to finish in the top 10. Hopefully he uh, gets back to number one. And uh, I'm just thrilled out of my wits in that I'm going to be have a chance to be fairly close to him. Here, I've always been looking for uh, being in the top 20. I have a chance to be in the top 10 at the end of the year with two more good races. So I'm going for it. That's awesome. It's definitely yeah. uh, definitely kind of a Cinderella story, you know, like the everybody talks about the expensive stock. Well, I'm not a millionaire. I'm not a millionaire. You know, how do you, how do you become a millionaire? Well, you don't race, you know, like it's an expensive sport. There's always the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. And, you know, working on your car, but that's, what's neat about some of those combos is you don't, you know, it's fairly inexpensive to get into some of those different combos that haven't been horsepower piled on. And, uh, this Arizona stock super stock association thing, I am so thankful for uh, Brad Hawk and Matt Hawk for putting this all together and the people at UEM that uh, helped sponsor it because uh, that was a lot of fun. I, uh, I can truthfully say that so far I've been to three races and I've made at least 100 bucks at each of the races. Two quarterfinal finishes and now the winner's circle to go with it. And... Uh, I haven't had a moment like this since I raced at Thunder Valley Dragway and made the semifinals with my Vega, uh, the four-cylinder Vega. I went in there as a as an alternate for Team Bandemir and ended up finishing higher than any of their top ten racers at that event. And uh, went back there two years later, 1981. That's where this bad boy came from. 1973 Pontiac Ventura 350 V8 two-barrel carburetor 308 limited slip differential, but it only ran 1830s in a quarter mile. My Cavalier's three seconds quicker, so imagine that. Um, but it was a 3,600-pound boat with a 175-horsepower V8, but I still won the uh, Division 5 Street Eliminator. 
I could I could tell that trophy is a little shinier if you had more time to polish that. How long ago was that? <laughs> oh shoot! Actually, I just uh, shined it up a little bit yesterday to get ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Was that your most memorable? What was your most memorable race since you've been racing? Um, actually, I'd. I'd say this one because uh, I went out there and uh, you talk about my lights here this past week. Um, when I was racing for this trophy, uh, I hit three consecutive 0 .023 lights. And so I guess word got out to some of the other racers that uh, this guy is killing a tree or something like that. You better be up for him. And, in round four, I hit a 096, but the guy red lit against me. So I was like, okay, that's something else. And then uh, some friends of mine came over, teammates, and said, uh, there's people in the stand saying, what is he doing out there with that car? And it was like, uh-huh. I knew what they were talking about. And uh, they were, I mean, granted, my car was no looker. It had dents and scratches all over it, but uh, I knew what they were talking about. So it's like, I'll fix them. I go to the semifinals, 051. I go to the final, 051. The guy that I raced against, I believe he was like 070 on a tree. And he was the only car that crossed the finish line at Thunder Valley ahead of me. So I thought I lost. But then uh, I come down the return road, and all of a sudden, like, half of my racing team is there beyond the ET shed to congratulate me for winning. And so it's like, where's Elton John? I'm still standing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, that's awesome. So yeah, that, was, that, was, uh, that was my most memorable race, uh, actual overall race. But that fun one was that guy in that uh, 69 Camaro that uh, thought he could coast to the finish line of the uh, 98 Mount High Nationals round one um, and still beat me across the line. And it gave me great delight to see that uh, I nipped him by three thousandths of a second. <laughs> what, was the, what was the year of your first race? uh the year 75 how was uh, uh do you remember uh, your first did you win did you win a race that year no not one single nothing <laughs> i didn't win a darn thing in that race or that year now 76 was when i went uh to the final round of the bracket race of the the high school drags but um I, in 79, oh, and this is also with the Vega, I won five bracket races in six final rounds. Ooh. How you like that? And the only person that won more rounds than me that year was my then girlfriend. <laughs> I, how you like that? I, drew, I uh, taught her everything that I knew about racing and driving and she ended up being my most formidable opponent and i was like man she got me by one stinking lousy round win 
And I know good and well the one that could have been the equalizer, and that was uh, a race that I lost to a guy in a Ford Falcon or something. Uh, I uh, I think I backed into him and ended up giving him the win, and it was a final round. So I went back the next day, and I won that race. So <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yep. Yeah, there might have been some sleeping on the couch with that little uh, rivalry going on with the uh, with the girlfriend, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but hey, uh, she don't have one of these, and she definitely <laughs> don't have one of these. <laughs> you told her almost everything. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's your? Do you have a? Are you kind of? A, how do I want to say it? Do you have a routine? Like, walk me through your routine. Like, how are you so consistent on the tree? Like. What's your, for people like me that are starting out and looking for all the tips we can get, like walk me through your race routine. What's it looking like when they call you to the lanes? Uh, I, I just, um, I check my tires before I leave my pit area and make sure that my, uh, intake plenum is nice and cool. And if I have my battery charger on the battery, just go through that motion. Uh, everything else is pretty well set. Excuse me, just hop in the tire and go up to the lanes and uh, do a final check of the tires. And I'm just standing around uh, jibber jabbering with everybody else, waiting for a chance to roll up. And uh, it's just uh, the tires have allowed me to use my A1 8 inch torque converter that was built for the car and, uh, and Burl Stevens. I had to call and thank him because that engine in that car was built in 1996. Wow. And I've got hundreds of runs on that motor. It's It's been that solid and tight. And uh, uh, I use a full synthetic oil. Um, I think it's uh, 5W30 full synthetic. And uh, it's actually my fvp brand so uh so let's i see your uh, shirt gary huh let's see your shirt what is it FVP. there you go gotcha all right yep so uh i i put that in there um and um i'm pretty much set my radiator has 40 below in it, so I don't even focus on a radiator in between runs. I know some guys uh, spray their radiators, but uh, I had that 40 below in there, and I just go up there and concentrate on the intake plenum because that's the one that's won me races and lost me races. And uh, um, no, no no real specific routine outside of that i'm just going up there confident in the car because uh thanks to burl stevens and marv ripes at a1 and uh mike and mickey thompson tires i have my car set up to rock and roll and uh i i hope i do some more of it this week i'm definitely going for it so have you have you ever found yourself in a heads up situation? <laughs> like no, <laughs> I I think that will be all of never. 
<laughs> so, Somebody out there is going to build one now. Maybe your your yeah. ex girlfriend's going to build one to come find you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bring it on. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be the most watched heads up in the history of Stock Eliminator. <laughs> <laughs> bring it on. I'd love to have a, another race with her. <laughs> so, but she's a school teacher now, so she's totally out of all of that. So. So for somebody yeah. for somebody looking at starting one of these combos, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there running front wheel drives and you know trying to get started in the sport. And I mean, what's your advice for them? How do they how do they get their car to be consistent? I mean, what what advice would you have for somebody building a car like similar, you know, front wheel drive stalker right now? Uh, well, find some good people that uh, that have been into it, uh, like. I did with Burl Stevens and um, and uh, Dave Lockridge because they used to work together at Burl Stevens Enterprises. And actually, Dave is the one that put the motor and a, a transaxle in the car and got it set up for that. Um, if your car can have, a, if it's, I recommend automatics and front wheel drive, not uh, sticks. Um, Manual transmissions, they might have been good back in the 80s, but uh, nowadays I don't see any um, stick shift vehicles being able to run consistent. I feel a whole lot better with the automatic. Got to have the shift kit. Um, find a, a, a car engine combination like Bill O'Connor's or uh, uh, Brent Kopeka's or even mine. Heck, I welcome the competition. I'd love to see more Cavaliers out there. Get a get a Oldsmobile uh, or uh, the Buicks that had the uh, four cylinder turbos in them. That would be way cool. Uh, Bill Howell, I think, ran a a uh, minivan with a four cylinder turbo in it. Shoot, bring it back out there. I I think. Uh, once uh, at least Mopar had uh, parts that you could buy for uh, for those kind of cars, and I actually kind of wished at times that I bought a Dodge Shadow or Plymouth Sundance because Mopar had all the uh, parts that you could get right from their dealership that would have hopped those things up and had them ready to rock and roll. But uh, my car, it was... Oh God, it was uh, it was a bear in the beginning because NHRA had me factored for B front wheel drive stock automatic back in the years when they had 16 cars. And um, I was like, how can I be competitive with being uh, factored in the same class that turbocharged Dodge Shadows were running in? Those guys were able to mop the floor with me and my car. So, uh, and then I look and I see Randy Hyman from Colorado. He raced uh, Linda Sherman's old Citation V6. Um, he was running E front wheel drive stock automatic. I'm like, how come I'm in B and he's an E? And really, our cars are not that much different size or weight-wise. That didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But then my friend Lane Weber from uh, uh, Colorado, 
he had told me, have you sent any letters to NHRA about refactoring your car? And I said, well, no. And he said, you should do that. And so I did. And finally, uh, they gave me a factor that I could run with. And uh, they took horsepower off of my combination. And uh, now instead of being factored at 150, I'm factored at 125, which uh, makes it a whole lot easier. So... When did when did, you, when, when did you build that car? Ninety, actually ninety six. I started racing with it in ninety five, but uh, it ran a seventeen fifty five at Vandermeer, and the index for B front wheel drive stock automatic was sixteen forty four, and um, so yeah, ninety six was when I started with all the fun. And I mean that sarcastically because when I first <clears throat> when I first started with the car, I had to get scratch and claw it from being an 18 second car because everything that uh that uh Burl did to the motor, my computer was fighting it. And it was like, okay, I try to get prom chip. Well there was a guy that had a gave me a prom chip for a 350 V8, and um, I put that in the car and from uh, idle to 2,000 RPM. That thing was like a rocket, and I sent my the chips to this guy in Florida, thinking if you could just make a chip that would make this motor go to 6,000 RPM like it goes to 2000 i'll be happy as a kid in a candy store and they probably even uh add more horsepower to my car but he couldn't do it and so i ended up uh trashing my factory ecm and uh getting a axel call map and once i did that then i was like okay now what do i do I'm not Woodrow Josie. Uh, he established the baseline for uh, rear-wheel drive V8s with the call maps and uh, Holly's thing, and there was no baseline for my car. So it was like I tried things here and there, and I had a little help, had some help from a guy named Craig Rails back at uh, Blower Drive Systems, and. Uh, we we figured out a way to at least make the car run as it is nowadays and uh i haven't touched the computer in years but uh probably should but i don't need to so why why bother i'm i'm enjoying the way the car is running now and how many passes do you have on it <laughs> uh i i think it's a safe bet to say 500 plus <laughs> how's that 500 nice. 500 plus because uh ever since i started racing stock eliminator because uh i used to go to um uh kearney nebraska i went to brainerd uh once um i went to topeka kansas a few times and uh haven't been a great bend but 
Then I'm, uh, and I went to Noble, Oklahoma once also, uh, the year that their uh, courthouse unfortunately got burned down and uh, uh, my family and I were able to see that um, like two days before they leveled it. So that was pretty grim, but then I move out here and all of a sudden I'm going to Salt Lake City to Bakersfield, Pomona and Fontana and it's like, okay, that was a dream race. I wanted to always go to Pomona. And uh, now I've been there a couple of times. So. Where do you, uh, where do you see the, the sport going as far as class racing? I mean, what are, you've been, you've been around, you've been watching it, you've been involved in it. Like, what do you think it takes to grow? Do you see it being sustainable? Be more inclusive of cars like mine and um actually i wish those import cars would come out there i've been i've said for recent uh in past years i know how great dan fletcher and peter biondo are and uh and i put this out in uh class racer forum it's like I love racing imports because the car magazines are always ballyhooing about how they're the best quote unquote cars on the road. And it's like, I beg to differ. Get one out there to the drag strip. And uh, there's guys that I was at a, at a race with in Tucson that were literally pulling out of the staging lane once they knew they were lined up against my uh, shark bait. So, uh, it was, it just, get them out there. I want them Honda Accords, them Honda Civics out there. I, I even said, hey, you put uh, Peter Biondo, Dan Fletcher in one of them cars and let me race and we'll see who comes out on top. I'm going with me. So, <laughs> and especially after last week. So, uh, that's, uh, but I just, it, course in the cost too i wish there would be a way to kind of um streamline the cost of getting into races like ours uh but i think this junior drag junior dragster program is pretty cool that's helping some younger people get into it um marketing that's another that's another thing that'll help is uh getting the word out about um and they get these darn uh city and state governments to be more supportive of racing if they want to keep street racing off the public roads and that kind of thing that would help because i remember how i was as a teenager i'm sure there's uh plenty other teenagers that are very similar uh give us a place to race and we'll go and have our fun yeah and i do think the the cars like uh the car like yours gary is brian and i are always talking about how can younger generation get in and not only just get in but afford it so i would like to think that a combo like yours may be more appealing to an 18 to 25 or 30 year old who doesn't have you know tons of money they have student debt most of them you know a way to get in and just have a little bit of fun and then if they do enjoy it 
they could stick with it. I mean, they they could be loyal to it like you are, or they could move on to something, you know, faster and more expensive if they choose. Yeah. I mean, uh, I started racing my daily driver and, um, for many years I was, uh, going out to the races, uh, my Vega and my Pontiac Venture, they were my daily driver. This Cavalier is the first vehicle that, um, in 95, I stopped driving it on the street and, uh, made it purpose built for racing. So I just got fortunate. Thank God for that, that, um, I was able to relax, um, needing to drive it on the street, but I, I totally support anybody that has a street car that wants to go out and race it. Um, they could do their weekend bracket racing things and, uh, and then come out to races like, uh, the divisionals and see, Hey, if I keep my car like this, maybe I can go and do that. And, uh, hopefully they either have a family that'll support them with it, or they might get fortunate and get a, the kind of job that'll help them, uh, finance it on their own. Cause, uh, and then they could uh, start dabbling out there with us guys. But uh, in the meantime, sportsmen, the bracket, sportsmen bracket racing, uh, the high school drags, if they're a high schooler, I think that's pretty cool. I'd love to see them do that. More the merrier. Well, one of the uh, interesting things is you look at class racing and I'm – new to it so it's a little different from my perspective but you basically kind of have two divisions you have the the diehard purists we've been class racing since it started this is how it needs to be we we need less technology and less changes you know it's back to our normal computer versus non-computer e-shift versus not e-shift you know vice versa and it's i understand having rules and keeping things simplified and pure but with that, you kind of lose, lose some of the all-inclusiveness. You know, that's, you know what, if somebody has a Honda Accord and they can come up with the rules and get it all approved by NHRA, heck yeah, I think you got you to gotta open it up broader and let more people access it instead of trying to shrink the class. We need to open it up, like you said, get more people, you know. Oh, I'm, not yeah. a, I'm not an import guy. I don't have a Honda. I have no purists to them. I'm more into old classic cars, but... I'm 42 years old, you know, I'm probably in stock. I'm one of the younger people, you know, there's not too many people under 40 racing in stock. Why would we want to like lose generations? If you have a car, yeah. come up with the rules, get things approved. Like that's how you grow it. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, um, I mean, I, I love that the, uh, challengers, the Mustangs, the, um, Camaros, came out again, it was like the rebirth of the muscle car era. I, I think that's, as Bob Fry would say, that's way up there on a kilometer. So uh, I just, um, I want to see more young people get into it. I think it's great. Um, it definitely beats driving or street racing um, because that's a lot of the bad rap that drag racing gets is, uh, 
And I'm glad some forms of media are saying street racing when they're talking about people doing that instead of drag racing. Cause uh, I remember a, a, a decal that NHRA put out, oh, back in the seventies that said, street racing is not NHRA drag racing. And, um, and I bought that and I had that on one of my cars, uh, probably to Vega, but um, it's like, and then I hear these kids, uh, younger people going around and uh, romping their cars when they're going down the street. Um, and uh, I'm like, that's not impressive to me. Take it out to Wild Horse Pass or uh, to the track. Uh, it does nothing for me. All it, all it does is make me think, okay, I hope there's nobody trying to walk across the street or something. So, no. Uh, I'm totally not into that, but uh, I think the making it easier for people to get into racing is the paramount. That's the thing for the future. And uh, I, I'm not a big import guy either, but I sure love to race them <laughs> because most of the time I beat them. Yeah. And uh, oh, matter of fact, well, I don't have it around me, but uh, I have a three foot tall trophy. You hold for a second, I'll go get it. All right. Sure. <laughs> I did. I used to uh, at Echo Dragway. I would take my car before I turned it into a stalker. I would drive it there for import versus domestic, and that was fun for me because I won that one, that event a couple times. What did, what by like by third round, all the imp maybe by second, second or third round at the most, all the imports were gone, and it was just, I mean, it was just domestic versus domestic at that point. Would it have still been fun if they beat you? No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> what are you nuts? <clears throat> oh, I don't want to lose to a Honda ever. How you like Look at that. There it is. How you I, like did, I didn't get a trophy like that when I won import versus domestic. I'm going back to Atco. I won't. I See this? This uh this had a word that I blurp uh deleted for obvious reasons. I talk S word, but I uh back it up. And this was my last race that I won prior to this. And um uh, this was eight years ago. That might be cooler than a Wally or an Oscar. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go with that one. <laughs> Gary, let's get technical for a second here. You, you've been mentioning Mickey Thompson tires, which I, I also have. I think they're the best tire. I know that would probably cause a lot of arguments between many people, but what? how much air do you run in those tires on your car? Actually, uh, I thank my friend, the late Vic Hobbs, for this. I run uh, 24 pounds in the left and 22 in the right because it's something about the way the front wheel drive and the open uh, powertrain is that uh, he would tell me that uh, the one side is pulling harder than the other, so you need the greater air pressure to make the more the one spin more than the other. I forget how he said that all, but I just know it worked. Um, right. The eight inch wide uh, slick 
and uh and then 24 and 22 and then of course i have since i'm the weird guy that's running front wheel drive i have the front runners on the back of the car right. and uh and i that was something else uh for many years i was running regular wheels in the back and i was like i saw uh, mark yakavone had a monte carlo and I went and looked at those, and I asked Alex Kadar, who drove the car, uh, about the wheels, and he said, those are donut wheels uh, for your spare tires and stuff like that. So I found a couple of donut wheels and took their spare tires off, and the front runners fit perfectly on there. So those in the back. I'm sorry? I was just going to ask you: Do you do? Do you drive around the water? Do you drive through the water? Do you do a like a a burnout, a semi-hard burnout, or? I did a. I do a dry hop. I did one full dry hop that would get me up to the starting line, and then I would stage the car. Do you drive around the water before the dry oh, hop? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then staging. You can't deep stage in stock eliminator. Did you used to deep stage when you were bracket racing, or have you always been a, a shallow stager? I've always been a shallow stager. Do you yeah. bump? Do you go in a little? Like the stage light comes on. Do you just do you move in a little further, or do you just stop it right there? A shallow stage. Period. I I, I stop as uh, shallow as I possibly can. And uh, matter of fact, I go up. Um, I'll pre-stage the car, and wait for my opponent to put their pre-stage light on. And then I'll go into staging up the uh, up the RPM on my uh, tour converter, and uh, then I'm ready to rock and roll. All right. Do you use a two-step or just foot brake? Foot brake. See, and that's the 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 more I see situations like what happened with Steve with his car. Um, the more I'm thinking, nope, that's one more thing that I could add up, act up in my car if I had it on there. So, no, foot brake, total foot brake. My car is about as stock as stock can get outside of the Lunati cam, the three-angle valve job that Burl put in there. And I'm, heck, I'm even running stock exhaust manifolds on the car. Nobody makes headers for it. Good point. So, <laughs> and then, uh, then uh, um, Exhaust Pros in Commerce City, Colorado, I'll give them a plug because uh, they, uh, I found a crossover pipe from a 84 Buick Regal that had a V6 in it, was able to put that over the transaxle and uh, get it to connect to my uh, my forward exhaust manifold to make dual exhaust going down underneath the car. So um, that helped in that regard. And then uh, for the transmission goes, I'll give some props to uh, SNA transmissions because uh, when I first started running the Cavalier um, after the engine build, they, I had a transmission issue in 2000 
I sent it to s and Transmissions in Inglewood, and they said, your torque converter is too tight. It needs to be loosened. So uh, made arrangements to send it out to A1. They loosened it, got, got it back, had a shift kit in it, a 373 Planetary out of a four-cylinder J-car put in it, and uh, everything else is history. So that's that's my ideal of fun. Uh, competition engineering rear shocks, uh, but my car gets it doesn't get a whole lot of love uh, from the aftermarket anymore. Uh, I might have to go see Rock Auto <laughs> <laughs> or JT Whitney if they're still around <laughs> to, to help me out with things that I might need down the road, but. Uh, at least Spell Pro is still around, so thank God for that, because I'm uh, using their gaskets yes. in my motor, so that's cool. Have you had to do much suspension work? Do you run different shocks, or is that all pretty much stock, or what's that look like on your chassis? That's pretty much all stock, except for the competition engineering shocks. Everything else is stock. But are they are they adjustable? Yeah, three-way adjustables, and I have them... Uh, set at uh 70 30 and uh my front end i noticed uh, a, a picture of my car uh looked like the front end went up a little bit and uh so it would shift weight to the back which is not a good idea with a front wheel drive car but those eight inch slicks say we don't care we still got that track and you're still gonna have grip so I take off and go on, and uh, who was it? Uh, Alan Reinhardt was uh, teasing me one time about my car. He's always been teasing me, but it's like, yeah, now what do you got to say? Now that I got this bad boy. <laughs> I, um, I always joke all the time, you know, the, the only two things that get your picture taken are wheel stands and winners. So don't feel bad about not being able to do wheelies because you're definitely winning. Well, I thank you for that. Uh, I feel like uh, the good God, uh, the good Lord divinely guided me to this car. And the only, the main reason I'm even running this car is because in uh, 1986, I saw somebody running a Cavalier Z24 exactly like my car. And he made it to the finals of an IHRA race. And he falls started. And I was like, that was a cool looking car combination. And then all of a sudden when 93 came around, um, this uh, high school girl in Littleton was selling her car. And uh, um, she said that she had to have a Honda Civic with a five speed to be cool in school. I called her brother up a year later and I said, tell your sister thanks for selling me her car. I'm making it, making it a star in the world of drag racing. And he's like, what? I said, I've already been to a final round with the car. I'm having fun with it. And uh, so that's, that's just that to now. I hope to have more fun with it, to be honest with you, starting this week. I definitely wish you the best of luck this week too. I know I'll be rooting for you, and well, sure, sure, many people around the country will be also. 
Yeah, well, there's I'm sure there's some that are gonna definitely want rematches with me, and it's like, okay, I'm cool with that because I've wanted rematches with them, and uh, and uh, some that I had that I've been able to get them. So uh, that uh, I mean, there's a guy in Grand Junction that for many years I could not beat this guy, and then finally, uh, what? Three, two or three years ago when they had a uh, uh, Division 7 points race, he came down from uh, Grand Junction and uh, I was able to take him out in the first round with, uh, with shark bait. So that was cool. And uh, I'm just like, I want to go out there and race just like all the others. I, I wish I had their budgets, but uh, I'm thankful for what I have. So this this car's been a lot of fun and uh i look forward to having some more fun with it and possibly getting that two digit number on my car next year well we uh we appreciate you coming on and it's truly a cinderella story um it's it's great to hear from the underdog sometimes you know they took you for granted and you put them on the trailer and I'm always for that. I mean, who doesn't want to hear a story like that every day? Uh, just wanted to give you on, on Facebook here. Nitro Joe says, congratulations, Gary. Ahead. Phil Mandela Jr. says, what's up, Gary? Hey, well, cool. <laughs> Tell him hi. Uh, Phil, I'll see you in about two or three days in Vegas. We'll try to have this fun all over again because I thought it was pretty cool that uh, Phil won the first race that I made at quarterfinals and I was able to get this one. So uh, I like that guy. I, he's racing a pretty cool Chevelle and he's real good people. So, but then pretty much everybody out there is uh, good people. So I'm just honored and thankful to be able to race with them. And uh, one of these days, uh, one of these years, uh, good Lord willing, I'm going to get me a tow vehicle and I'm going to start heading up there to the Northeast up there in your neck of the woods um bob and uh, uh my daughter even asked me uh how come you have not raced back east and i said because i didn't have the right tow vehicle for going all the way up there my dodge nitro has a uh, um some power in it but i don't know if it has enough to get over the grapevine or uh, raton pass with my cavalier behind it and so no, I'll wait and get a more powerful vehicle and then go. Come on, come on, Gary. I mean, you've already got everything covered. You're winning with the front wheel drive. I think you need to break, make the tow bar great again. Put the tow bar on that thing and pull it. You got to do it. <laughs> oh, that's okay. Julia Serving used to say something about uh, that's old school. So, uh, <laughs> um. I'll be like, that is real old school, but I don't know if they'd allow that tow bar attachment to the car to be legal and stock. They'd say, oh, you need to take that off. <laughs> that, that was the first stripe taker. Uh, yeah, that, would, that, would, uh, that would be something else. Uh, I remember some great people over my early years of racing that uh, did use them tow bars, but... Uh, I, I'm, I'm grateful, even though what I'm doing now is what 
a lot of other racers were doing 20, 30 years ago, and that's using a car hauler with a, a daily driver to pull their vehicle out to the races. But works for me, so, and uh, not breaking my bank account to be able to do that. So uh, I'm cool with it. I, uh, that's just a testament. Like I always call, uh, my race team should be called baller on a budget. Like you're out there, you're killing it and you're not spending piles and piles of money, which is what really makes it inclusive, right? Like literally anybody can do this and that's awesome. Way to set the, way to set the, the precedent yeah. there. I mean, uh, look at, uh, my bud, Bill O'Connor. He, uh, he still uses a tow dolly to pull his car out to the races and I've done that too that's uh that's the way to do it get a a small truck um colorado or ranger or something like that get one of them tow dollies and get a front wheel drive car on that come out and race that's low buck i so, uh i think just to kind of quantify the conversation so the keys to getting into racing is practice 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 right get good on the tree you don't have to spend piles of money i mean find a combo that's competitive and just race within your means i mean how many people out there could really do a lot better just by getting better at the tree getting more consistent and getting into a good routine i mean it's not always about just throwing dollars at it no it's you gotta get you gotta know your car and that's what helps me out with this uh with my car is I'm racing the same car that I bought in 1993. So what is that? Uh, 27 years I've been racing this car. And uh, so I'm familiar with the torque steer and whatnot. And uh, the, uh, the tire uh, stagger for the front tires and just getting an idea of how the car uh, launches it pretty much hooks and goes straight but yeah i can see where some of the car magazine guys will say that it has torque steer it'll pull to the left or pull to the right if you get your tire pressure set up the right way then it should hook and just go and uh for uh now that i've got a handle on it with these new slicks then uh that's what's happening and uh, i mean anybody could do that uh, if they really want to get out there and uh, go for it, Bill's done it. Uh, Mark did it. Um, Billy Drevo did it. Everybody else did. Uh, Dennis Chapman, everybody else that's preceded me uh, racing front wheel drive cars, they've done it. But I also live by another adage uh, quitters, winners never quit and quitters never win. And I'm not a quitter, so that's where this came from. So I like it. I like it. Uh, Gary, it's been an honor of talking to you today, and I'm really happy that you took the time out to come join us. I do. I was so excited to have you on. I forgot to finish, you know, some of the results. So let me go through those real quick. We were uh, talking about the Indy National Open, where Ray Paquette set his record. Wyatt, uh, Wyatt Wagner took the win in Superstock over Ernie Neal. Uh, Wyatt Wagner in Superstock G Automatic. Ernie Neal in Superstock I Stick Shift. Rob Turkle, H Stick, took the win over Bobby Lundholm in G Stock Automatic. 
and then we were in Rockingham. They had an open after the divisional. So Joe Lisa took the win over Corey Taylor, Taylor in the divisional, and then Corey Taylor followed that up with a win in the open. So he won Super Stock, and Ron Urquhart won Stock Eliminator. And oh. then real quick, NHRA just updated the points. Okay, so in Stock Eliminator, David Latino was number one going into this weekend, but Brett Candies, who was in fourth uh, after his performance in Dallas, uh, Brett Candies has taken the number one spot and bumped David Latino. David Latino lost in the second round. Uh, he's down in number two. And then Jody Lang, Parker DeVore, and Kyle Rizzoli round out three, four, and five. Superstock. Brian Warner extended his lead. He also raced the number two David Latino in the third round. So by beating David Latino, Warner extended his lead. And Byron Warner, Brian's identical twin brother, Moved up to fifth place, but if I know Byron, he's kicking himself because he went 001 red in the fourth round to – no, in the semifinal to Hayden Trumbull. Um, had he won that round, he would have moved up to third. Had he won the race, he would have finished second. Brian and Byron, identical twins, would have finished number one and number two in the world. So, sorry, Byron. Um, okay, that's all I needed to get out there. Well. Brian? <clears throat> yeah that's uh i don't know i'm still in shock i'm trying to take notes and look at what gary's trying to teach me i'm gonna have about 10 sheets of paper here full of things i gotta work on all winter now <laughs> well, well i'm just happy that jody ling is still in the uh number three spot in the points but uh i kind of feel like my bud lane weber from colorado uh, the year that uh, Scotty Richardson won the Stock Eliminator World Championship, I believe it was 96. Uh, he came up to Douglas, Wyoming and raced uh, Lane Weber in the first round. And Lane Weber put him on a trailer with a car that's about as quick as mine is. It was a rear-wheel drive uh, Skyhawk. And he calls himself the Hawk. So uh, I thought about that, and it's like, uh, Scotty ended up getting the championship that year, but at least uh, Lane could say he didn't get it because of racing me. And uh, I'll say the same thing about Jody. I, I hope he wins the championship, but I'll be glad that I didn't help his cause in that. So I just want to give a quick shout-out, too, to Doug Ingalls. Uh, he made up some rounds. It looks like he's second in the world right now in comp, so... That's going to be there fun to see how that plays out here in the next couple of weeks. You know, in his backup car this weekend. So it was fun to see him go some rounds. It'll be interesting to see what happens this weekend. But oh. looks like we're about out of time here. So we could talk for hours, but I think Gary's got to go to work and we got to save something for a future episode. <laughs> well, there you go. Thanks for having me on. That was This was a lot of fun. Hey, no problem. Make sure you hit John up for some potatoes when you're out there. And I want to see another. Another Wally on your table. Oh, that that would be cool. Finally, this Wally has another one to go with it in my uh, trophy case or my wall unit. <laughs> oh, man. Best of luck, Gary. I told you I'll be rooting for you. Thanks, so, guys. I'll be out there. in a couple of days to it. So y'all take care, and thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for everybody for listening. Go ahead and hit us up, uh, Class Racing Today. Uh, hit subscribe, send us comment, 
comments, feedback, whatever you want. Like I said, we've got uh, we've really enjoyed doing this. We got some great guests lined up, and just talk about class racing today. That's kind of what it's about. You got it. All right, everybody, have a good, safe week, and good luck traveling to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs>